Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 154. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up and resident married woman. Turns out I'm one year into the institution of marriage, just over, actually. We just celebrated on our anniversary, August 18th. And to celebrate, the man, the myth, the legend, Brad the Boo, is back on the Bossed Up podcast with me tonight. Hey, Brad. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> well, welcome to the Bossed Up podcast again. It's your semi annual <laughs> interview. So thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. I am so delighted to have a ton of brilliant questions from our listeners, most of whom chatted with me about this on Instagram when I told them my intentions for interviewing you. And boy, do they have a bunch of questions about our take on marriage one year in. But first and foremost, I want to acknowledge that we're just one little year in to this institution. So I approach this topic with a ton of humility. One big year. One big little year into the institution. So we are by no means experts, but we are just real people going to give you some real answers to these very real questions. So, Brad, we had a lot of questions come in, but the first one I want to start with that I absolutely loved was a question about whether marriage feels like it's actually changed anything between us. Because we dated for what? six years, six years before getting married. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like marriage has changed anything for you? Uh, Sure. Yeah. I mean, probably from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't look much different, but I think mentally it's a lot different. It's kind of, you know, once we got married, it was, I don't know. it, It seemed like, all right, we're doing this. Like we are like in the long haul for the first six years or whatever it was, we we're, you know, we were definitely partners, but we were only kind of planning out a certain distance into our future. Mm-hmm. I think we both had like long-term future plans, but we never really got like kind of intimate with them with each other. Ooh, good choice of words, babe. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten more intimate in our marriage. No, Hi-oh. yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's a good point. I was uh, sharing this on Instagram on our anniversary. And I after we talked about it, I feel like I did not think marriage was going to change that much about our relationship. But it was like almost immediate in how much longer term out we were planning, we were discussing. I just feel like once you're married, and maybe it doesn't take this for everybody. You know, maybe people commit to the, each other in different ways. But for us, getting married opened up a whole bunch of other conversations about our parents and our plans and our, you know, timelines and how we were going to make it all work. And we're planners anyway. We love a good plan and we love working at plan together. Mm -hmm. So it just gave us more runway, right? Yeah, definitely. Anything else? Someone asked what surprised you most about marriage this past year? I'm not sure. I don't think anything really surprised me. Um, Surprise. I'm not who I said I was. And now you're stuck with me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like props to people who don't live together before they get married, but (laughs) like, you know, live together for a number of years and uh, we were pretty open with each other about a lot of things. So there weren't like 
surprises. Um, <laughs> yeah. Amen. We've just been like so damn busy this year, both with work and having fun that it wasn't like, yeah, we didn't have, like have a lot of time to just like think, like think about it. It was just kind of like, let's go, let's do this. Let's have fun. Let's work hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't feel like we changed anything about how our relationship normally works just because we were married. It just gave us a longer term runway to plan and to scheme and to dream together. And then thank God we'd lived together beforehand because living together with someone takes some serious acclimatization. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, I, I can see that happening, though. Like, and, you know, there was a point in my life where I thought, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to like live by yourself until you get married. Yeah. And then just like take that ride when it happens. But I'm glad we went the route we did. <laughs> take that ride when it happens. Yeah. Like, is this like, a roller coaster? You, know, like you get married and then let's yeah. move in together and then let's see what happens, you know? But that's kind of, that can be a gamble. Yeah, a total gamble. But I know some people have very religious objections to the concept, uh -huh. but that's not our situation. I mean, honestly, I think the first year of marriage is a lot of stress and drama and change for some people because of all that. And that's mm. where the majority of uh, the questions from our listeners came in. We're all about household labor. How do mm. we split it up? How do we balance running a household with two careers that we're both very passionate about? And like, how do we split things up? I've talked on the podcast pretty openly about how we've transitioned this past year from me taking over the management of our family's finances and then realizing, oh shit, that's too much. Like I'm doing too much and saying, I'm doing the majority of the cooking. I'm doing the financial planning and financial management. I need you to do more and I need to delegate more. And that's when we came up with the grocery store or grocery shopping plan, which I've been very transparent with my listeners about how that's gone. What is your take? <laughs> what, on grocery shopping? Well, like on how we split labor in general in the household. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's both of our house. I think it immensely helped. You know, it was kind of weird when we were dating and we didn't live together for the longest time because we lived like right down the street from each other. And so we each had our own domain that we each took care of in our own respect. And then I moved in with you because the house I was living with got sold. And it was kind of your domain. So it was kind of like, I felt like I was a guest. Yeah. And so I can see how somebody, you know, was in that situation, especially in the, like, the long term. Like if someone had already had a house they owned you know and they moved in with them it would it could be kind of weird to kind of take that on as a 50 50 whereas when we moved to denver we um you know kind of went into this property saying like all right we each own this and this is our stuff so we gotta both take care of it yeah but i've always struggled with the fact that you make physical improvements to our space mm -hmm. that's like a project that can be checked off. You're constantly making these like wonderful improvements to the space, which is great. You made and installed a custom Murphy bed in our home office slash guest suite, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm doing a lot of the maintenance work, like cleaning and laundry. Right. Actually, I don't do your laundry. We've, we've <laughs> landed on that <laughs> as the best path forward. But like my work doesn't get checked off. I do a lot of the maintenance work. So I've always struggled with how do we count 
those. And, and we've been transparent from the start that I'm like, hey, this is an article I'm currently reading about how, you know, when men do 30% of the household chores, they perceive themselves as doing 50% of the household chores. So like, we have those discussions about what the research shows. And then we analyze like how we're doing. I feel like we I, I initiate regular checkup conversations mm -hmm. about how we're feeling about it. Yeah. And we've, we've made adjustments as a result of that. But I feel like you do a lot. Well, I mean, that helps too, because then I, I like know what is kind of pissing you off or like what you feel like you need help in. Cause there's yeah. like, like what you just stated is like, sometimes we just literally don't know. Yeah. Maybe each person has a different like standard of living. Yeah. And understanding what the other person's standards are helps mm. a lot. Yeah. Actually, I think we're fortunate in that we both have relatively similar cleanliness standards. Cause I think mm. most nights we don't go to bed with a dirty kitchen. Right. Yeah. But that kind of was a thing that you, that grew on me from you. Oh, really? That like, I, yeah, I, I mean, dude, I used to live, I used to live, uh, the kitchen dirty all the time. Like, ah, it's a morning thing. And then you're just like, you know, how nice is it to wake up and everything is clean? And I'm thinking like, yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad to hear that persuaded you. That's so good. It reminds me of the made bed thing. Like you don't really, I mean, what's your take on the made bed? Cause you just made the bed this morning and I was like, Oh, Look at that. Brad made the bed. I'm into that. Thanks, boo. I make it because it makes you happy. Yeah, that's, that's what I it. thought. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Didn't, don't you just make the bed when I'm home? Yeah, when you're gone, the bed is never made. <laughs> but that's, that is funny, yeah. No, I like to wake up and start the day by making the bed because it feels like, okay, this space is good. And I feel like I don't have trouble working from home and letting the kitchen get dirty during the day. But I do like a clean kitchen in the morning. So we both are on the same page, even if I persuaded you to get on that page. And then I do the vast majority of, of cooking in our household. And we did recently make the decision, just for all our listeners to know, to hire a cleaner to do a deep clean of the house like once a quarter. We've only really done that once or twice now. So it's, it's a new potential tradition but it is so worth the money. It is so great if you can fit it into your budget. But because I was doing the cooking, grocery shopping, and then when I took over the family finances, that's when I was like, I can't do grocery shopping. I hate grocery shopping. I, it took me a minute to articulate that I was feeling overwhelmed, ask for your help, and then for us to find a way to collaborate on cooking, which I think is actually maybe genius because... Now I get a little food network challenge as the home chef who has to open my mystery basket and see what you bought and figure out how to make something delicious out of it. And you get to basically help set the meal prep schedule by choosing what to buy at the grocery store. And you're getting so much better at like managing inventory. There was definitely some, you know, growing pains, but I feel like you're crushing it on the grocery front. Nice. Well, you know, we're figuring it out. We use the Wonderlist app. So if there's anything, if there's anything weird or yeah. unique, it goes on there and everything else. It just like when we, like it worked out because when we went grocery shopping together, I would get pissed off because it would take like two hours. I'm like, well, what if we put this together? I'm like, oh my God, like, let's just put it in the car and buy it. I don't care, you know? <laughs> so now I just, I literally just like launch up and down every single aisle, <laughs> like from like left to right and just like grab and throw in there and it's efficient. <laughs> yeah, I, to I totally agree. And I love it. And then I feel like it just took some communicating once I saw what you were bringing home to be like more this, less that. 
mm-hmm. more of this. And then we've just adjusted over what, three months? I think we're kind of in our groove now. I love it. Sure. Yeah. I f-ing hate grocery shopping. So I will cook <laughs> all day and enjoy it. Um, but yeah. What else on household chores and balance? How about balancing careers? Because we have no kids. We have a dog, obviously, Teddy the dog. They're a little fur baby, but we are both very pedal to the metal in our careers right now. How do you feel like we're flexing for each other there? We both work super hard and long hours, especially depending on the week. Right. And I don't know. I think I think we have a good sense of when each other is really in the kind of hole of getting deadlines done and things like that. And just because we've both been there and we both know what's going on, it makes it a lot easier to be sympathetic to the other person working really hard and not being able to like contribute. And I just be like, look, I can't go grocery shopping until Friday because I am just like slammed right. like 12 hours a day and just like, all right, we'll make whatever works. It's fine. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I feel like I remember stating early on in our relationship that I never wanted to be the kind of person who would nag you to get home at a certain time until we had kids. <laughs> then I will very much do that. But I never wanted to put pressure on you to lean out because I never want to feel pressure from my partner for me to work less. I find that so aggravating when you get pressure from family instead of sympathy and understanding and, oh, let me do more around the house this week because you're in the weeds. And I feel like when I, I mean, I travel for work a lot and the commentary I get from cab drivers and fellow like women speakers at conferences in green rooms always boggles my mind. They're like, oh my God, what does your husband think about how much you travel? How is that working for you? Do you think he's about to cheat on you right now? And I'm just like, holy shit, people, stop projecting your terrible relationship choices and lack of trust onto my marriage. I get that travel is not super normal for everybody, but I I feel like men who travel for work all the time don't get that question. I get cab drivers constantly ask me what you think, Brad, about my travel schedule. Right. Well, I think what really helps in our situation is that we both trust that the immense work that we're putting into our careers right now is to benefit our collective good for the future. Yeah. Either for money or for getting better at what we're doing, which gives us more freedom and flexibility, the better we get at it. We always have our collective good in mind. And I know that when you're out there, you're either trying to make a bunch of money or you're trying to (laughs) do something to further your career. And in the long run, it's going to help us both out. Yeah, that's true. And it helps that we're both independent oriented people who like kind of our alone time. (laughs) Even though we love being together, we also like very much cherish our alone time. Um, Speaking of money, we had a lot of questions come in about money. One person said finances. How do you handle it? Do you share 100% of accounts or separate accounts? Do you share everything when it comes to money? Finances can be challenging for couples and have a bit of gender bias. Does one of you earn more? How do you split and contribute fairly? Feelings on that. Do you keep any separate finances? Did you combine all? Did you pool? Do you contribute uh, proportionately? Let's see. Shared bank accounts. Do you split expenses evenly or based on income? 
So yeah, lots of the same questions here around money. I have to admit, we didn't really, we had the money talk, as Maggie Germano says, and she actually wrote a piece about this on our blog. Years ago, before we decided to get married, we kind of showed each other our debt cards, right? Like we put them all on the table and we were like, here's what I have in terms of debt and savings. And I had a lot of debt in terms of student loans and you had a lot of savings. When Remember when we had that conversation on U Street? Yeah, yeah you were like blown away. Like, how do you have this much money? I'm like, yeah, because I've been saving and not spending. I've been just eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for like 10 years. Yeah, my mind was boggled because... You lived like a pauper, and now I know that's how you actually did save all that money. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, how? How is this even possible? And then I got really competitive and started my catch-up game, and I feel like I've done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the imbalance in earnings, because this is always an issue, even amongst our friends. Like You're always driven crazy by men who are threatened by women who earn more. So why don't you speak on that first? Like, what is your take on how that works for us? Kind of like a baffling question to me, because the more money that you can make, awesome. I mean, why would I want you to make less money? That To me, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Because even if you don't share your money with me, which you do, Right. If you're making more, that means that theoretically I have to share less with you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. from an early stage, this is kind of like an early stage kind of mentality when we were dating. Oh, yeah. I don't want to date a broke chick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cause like, like I said, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like in my 20s and like not going out and spending a lot of money. I'm like, you know, I don't want someone who's going to be like expecting me to buy like $150 dinners and not being able to like, balance that out. I think we did like a pretty good 50-50 split. Right. From the very beginning, I should say, we always split our checks 50-50. And like, I would Mm -hmm. never expect otherwise. Yeah. Well, it's it's like that Ali Wong stand up when she's talking about... Like when people are like asking her, like, what is like, he's earning more than your husband. It must be such a burden on him. She's like, what the burden to provide? (laughs) (laughs) The burden to provide being lifted from his shoulders. Yeah. 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 I mean, Yeah. yeah. The more money you make, then the better off we are. There's just no hands out about it. I can see a, like what, like a fear though is like, I can see the point of view of people being afraid about making more money or making less money than someone else because of a, like a power dynamic. Right. Yeah. Which is someone says, well, I have more money, so I get to make all the decisions. And like, well, I feel like that differs if you spend way more than your partner, just because you make more. Like, obviously I create a lot of revenue for my business, mm-hmm. but I don't take home from that business that much more than you, what you take home. Right. So... I do feel like that should be stated. Like we don't have drastically different incomes unless you look at my pure revenue numbers, which is not pure profit. We don't have that in balanced incomes now, but you're, I mean, yeah. like the industry I'm in only has a certain kind of potential for, you know, making money and that's totally fine. But the other, the other way to look at it too is that I could go out and get a job that would pay more money, but I wouldn't be as happy. And I feel like, that would be more of a detriment to our relationship if I was like not happy with work eight to 10 hours a day. 
Yeah, and you make a decent income. It's not like you're choosing to work like a mm-hmm. a part-time retail job. And I feel like we both had the conversation early on like we respect each other's work ethic and we respect each other's craft and our commitment to our craft. My craft happens to pay more than your craft and it will probably continue to pay more. And oh, I yeah. feel such pride. Like I feel provider pride on that front, but it doesn't mean that I feel entitled to anything more you know what I mean I love winning like cash money for our family (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know but I don't feel like that makes like one of our wins doesn't make the other person lose you know what I mean it's like a team win yeah for sure yeah and we should talk about how we split finances up. So to back up, we started working with Chris Caruso, a financial advisor at the start of this year, and she has completely transformed our approach to finances. Leading up to our wedding, we like got all of our accounts on the same page and everything was on the table, but we didn't, I mean, we still don't really have joint accounts. We, we're trying to. <laughs> Bank of America makes it really fucking hard to turn a, a single person's account into a joint account. But we basically turned one of your accounts, Brad, into our house account. Mm-hmm. And then we have collective savings goals that we're working towards. We have other collective expenses that we pay proportionally based on our income. But... um we didn't really get a systematic approach to our goals and debt management and all that jazz until we started working with Chris. Right. Yeah, for sure. She's been great. So you can listen to her episodes on the podcast. I'll link to them in the show notes. And I highly recommend working with her. If you are merging finances with someone and want to figure out how to strive towards common goals, like our own funds that we're saving for right now. But I basically manage keeping track of all of our money, making sure we're paying down credit cards every month, making sure we're not overspending. But I don't know if you know this. I think you do. Like all of our house expenses are combined expenses, mortgage, water bill, electric bill, all that jazz. We pay proportionally. So because I make like 55% of our monthly take-home pay and you make 45%, we pay that amount of our bills collectively, mm-hmm. which I think is the only fair way to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you were, if you want to do 50, 50, then we could do 50, 50, but there is also the aspect of, you know, the, the kind of moves that we want to make are also contingent upon that. So if you want to, if we wanted to stay 50, 50 and we are disproportionate in earnings, then yeah. we'd have to really spend a lot less money than we do. We don't spend a lot. We'd have to spend even less right. to keep it 50-50. So you've made the choice to go 55-45, yeah. whatever it is. I also made that choice because I was on the receiving end of a 50-50 argument when I cohabitated with my ex who was making a lot more than me, and it did not feel fair. And I remember how abusive that felt like he wasn't even open to negotiating on that front so I didn't want that to happen even though you never spend as much money as I spend so it's probably good that I earn more because I spend more too it's a kind of like uh if you go 50 50 then it's either is there's either going to be something where you're spending like way more than you really should be on something Or it's like you're only as strong as your weakest player when it comes to income and you have to live a lot lower than like the means of the person who can actually like bring in a lot of money. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's different ways to do that. And that would be totally fine too. Like we'd save more 
but we wouldn't be able to do as many things. Right. That's true. Interesting way of looking at it. And that is like the labor of managing our finances. And for example, we're currently in the middle of a real estate refinance because of the drop in interest rates. Like that's a lot of paperwork. I'm like the resident paper pusher for us. And a lot of the ladies on Instagram and our listeners asked me about the mental load, right? Like the psychological labor that's involved with household tasks, whether it's balancing our proverbial checkbook or remembering to send birthday cards to people and thank you notes and scheduling and stuff like that. And I feel like I'm pretty active in asking for your help on that stuff. But even Mm -hmm. see, even the act of delegating means that I'm keeping the list. Do you see how that's like a mental load that most women carry that men just don't? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know how I think about it? You contribute a lot to this household when I'm gone. I don't give you a honey-do list when I'm traveling for work, which is like every other week. I don't remind you to to feed the dog. In fact, when I have in the past, you're so insulted. <laughs> yeah. You're like, did you feed the dog? I'm like, come on, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> like we've been like we've been alone for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So like when I'm gone, I'm gone and I don't feel the need to remind you of anything. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we've done a good job. One of the ways I try to do that is whenever I'm making an appointment, like for the dog, like a vet appointment or something, I put you on all those lists and I tell you where the information is so that you can, I think, especially with delegating the groceries, when we run out of dog food, you got to reorder the dog food. I'm not going to mm-hmm. like tell you a million times and I'm tr- sure. we're trying, we're starting to make that official baton handoff happen, but <laughs> It's hard to let go of the mental load when you see things that need to get done. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely see how right now we're not doing a lot of sort of physical labor on the house. Right. But, and, you know, and, and some of the like paperwork stuff, I'm, I'm pretty adverse to wanting to do, but I will do them. Yeah. But I definitely try to make up with all the kind of physical labor that's needed around the house, especially as we do a lot of renovation work. That is such a good point. So, and I, and I know that too. That I know, yeah. like I know myself well enough that like when it's going to come to doing like refinance paperwork, I'm going to feel like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> and I have that in my mind, like without that, without even knowing that's coming, I know something like that is coming. Right. When there is a labor of putting in the new kitchen or lawn or yard work or anything, any anything I can do, kind of like physically or technically, I'm just like jump all over it. I'm just like, all right, at least I can help, you know, contribute here. And that is why I married you because <laughs> we are both progress oriented people. So we are constantly looking for how can we carry the ball down the field a little bit more for the team. And so you just got four different quotes for siding, like vinyl siding on our rental property that I totally forgot was on our to-do list, like from months ago. And you took it upon yourself to just spearhead that project. I didn't delegate that to you because I feel like we've sort of naturally fallen into if there's paperwork, if there's people work, that's my department. And if there's Mm -hmm. physical labor or like skilled labor involved, that's your baton to run with. We'll definitely um, help each other out when asked. Like uh, when we were renovating the bungalow, I was like, we need to sand all these walls. And 
I need your help. <laughs> yeah. And you helped. You didn't come in there and just be like, all right, well, we should sand these walls. I'm going to sand these walls. You know, I had to set, like sell what I wanted as help. And now that we're in the phase of more paperwork and like heavy lifting stuff, yeah, you let me know what we need and I'll do what I can to help get it done. And we'll complain equally along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I honestly think clarifying the financial goals helped us figure out where we can both simultaneously pursue progress in our own independent ways. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're progressing towards shared goals, which is awesome. Yeah. Sweet. And when I think about planning a honeymoon, I don't want you to plan our honeymoon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of our big financial goals this year is to take a sweet ass honeymoon. And I'm not going to leave the hotel decisions up to you. <laughs> <laughs> like we would be staying wherever was cheapest and that's not what a honeymoon is for so <laughs> <laughs> yeah our, yeah the honeymoon would definitely look a lot different if i planned it yeah but you're not like upset about that right hell no right so we're gonna live it up in hawaii in october and we'll take lots of pictures and i'll blog all about it it'll be great Okay, speaking of differences, somebody asked, how do we discuss conflict and how often do we find ourselves in conflict? I feel like you'd like to discuss conflict every day. <laughs> like, what? But in like a kind of a preemptive way, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, pre crime. Pre Anything that's like starting to kind of ail you or like it could be even a potential problem in the future you're just like we need to talk about this I'm like what? you're like we have to go to um marriage therapy i'm like dude what the f are you talking about i know <laughs> I like, you're so anti-therapy though no but the way you brought it up like you know you were just <laughs> you know like everything is? was fine you're just like we should go to couples therapy i'm just like what <laughs> you know, like, it wasn't even like because we're having a fight or no. there's any problems <laughs> it's like if any one of my girlfriends is at all having a fight or any kind of a conflict with her partner i'm like we should probably talk about this now <laughs> yes. for when it inevitably happens to us yeah like you read articles all the time you deal with this like in your workplace all the time <laughs> it's conflict you're dealing with conflict all the time so it always trickles into like we should like discuss this but that's so funny because <laughs> that like i i literally was ready for you to say the exact opposite which was we never fight well, we don't really. I mean, we don't. It's kind of like... We pre-fight. Yeah, we pre-fight. Um, <laughs> we definitely get like some like heated, like, I wouldn't even say arguments, but more like debates. Yeah. Sometimes you like to play devil's advocate, which drives me nuts. And then I tell you you're being an a <laughs> But that wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a fight. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's good. You, you bring things up early or before they even happen. And... Uh, <laughs> And then we talk about it. So when it comes up, we're just like, hey, we talked about this. I'm like, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we both also are very confident in our own opinions. So we yeah. can. Well, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we can disagree with each other and mm -hmm. try to persuade each other to see each other's side. And then yeah. we can still agree to disagree. And it's not a fight. We just totally see the world differently. And that's fine. Yeah. It's all like trying to convince each other to come, come back to what we were talking about earlier with like cleaning the kitchen before you go to sleep. I don't know if we have an argument about this, but you convinced me that like it's much better to wake up with a clean kitchen. I'm like, all right. But it could have gone the other way. I'm just like, yeah, mm, no, like 
<laughs> I prefer to clean it in the morning. And I probably could have made I probably could have yeah. made the argument if I like wanted to, but I didn't want to. And I mean, we do disagree about like certain things, just like the. I'd say we disagree about a lot of stuff. A lot of things, yeah. I mean, not 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 major things, right? But a lot of little things, and then we just sort of look at each other like, "Oh my god, I'm so right, and you're so wrong," <laughs> and you're like, "No, you're so wrong, and I'm so right," and then we just carry on with our day. Yeah. Sure. But I wonder how and if that'll change with kids. Like, if we philosophically mm. disagree. Like, I think we're having a lot of those preemptive conversations now, even though <laughs> Gail, I know your mother is listening to this every word of this podcast. Mm. We have no news. Nothing is happening. We're not even talking about things happening. No, but what we just said, we were talking about every possibility of conflict that will come up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That we know of, right? But Yeah, that we could predict. Yeah, I definitely see that being a challenge. And I think... I think we both see that as a challenge coming up. And that's why we love to, like, we love to talk about it all the time. Of just yeah. Like, what about this? What about that? And our friends are like, whoa, you guys talk about that? Does that mean you're immediately going to have a baby? And we're like, no, no. <laughs> that's not what that means. That means we're talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of kids, this was an interesting little nuance to this question that came up very frequently. But a bunch of people asked me about the choice to not take your last name upon marriage. Mm-hmm. And one person said, do I use your last name socially? <laughs> As opposed to like professionally. And somebody said, what happens with kids? Like, what's your plan for name naming conventions? <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want to share our like philosophy on that? Sure. It seems like a little absurd to me, just personally, that you would expect somebody else to just change the name they've had for 30 years, right? Their family name, the name they've used. I mean, I get it because you're combining families. And I think at one point, I think it was in San Diego for a wedding or something like that, I had, I didn't ask you, I was like, I, I was like, look, I'll invite you to take my last name, but I would never, if somebody asked me, they're like, you're gonna change your last name? I'm like, dude, not a chance. Oh my God, I remember that. We were so drunk and in love that it was at Jay's <laughs> wedding. Yeah, yeah. And, so and then after that, I kind of just dropped it. It's like, you know what? I don't, I don't think she wants to change her name. And between your business, which you're kind of, you've, you know, kind of built it up around, but also you love your last name. You love keeping that. So whatever. I don't see any problem with it. That's interesting. Yeah. And I feel like the tradition is so strong for women to give up their last names. Mm-hmm. And then when you ask men, like, I think I asked you, well, would you change your last name? <laughs> yeah, I said, definitely not. And you were like, no. And, and almost like, as it was, I wasn't like very strongly about, well, you're going to change your last name. But if you like, as a man, you ask somebody, you know, like, you're going to change your last name. Like you think about it, and you're like, definitely not. It kind of asks the question, like, then why would like why would they change their name? You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel and like I just I probably just have that conversation in my head. Yeah, just like two voices be like, what? You asshole! Why would you ch- if you're gonna change your name? I'm like, all right, cool, all right, yeah. totally. And I think a lot of women, I'm gonna get so much hate for this, but I think a lot of women justify changing their last names because they don't happen to have a last name that they particularly love or because their husband has a last name that they do love or because they're not in business or whatever, or like maybe they are very strongly tied to tradition, 
which to me is the most rational reason. I think it's just tradition. I think that's it, feel like almost pure and simple. I mean, I'm sure I'm wrong, but from my experience, I think it's just, you know, that's what we do. And yeah. that's what's going to happen. And it's not even like questioning it or whatever. But it is a tradition based in like a very sexist tradition, however you slice it. Sure. And I almost think that like, at least own it. If you're going to take your husband's last name, at least acknowledge like, yeah, I'm just doing this because this is a tradition. And I d agree with this tradition and all that it stands. Well, for. I bet you a lot of people do. No, I've heard a lot of women, though. I think there's like feminist guilt now. It's like a new kind of shame. <laughs> it's like uh -huh. modern feminist shame where if you do take your husband's last name, now you have to justify why and how your first last name wasn't great or you didn't like your dad or something. And it's just like it gets real complicated real fast. And I don't know, man, it's an impossible to win subject matter. I'm sure I'm digging myself into a hole right now, but... I never had any intention of changing my last name, but I do like the invitation because I might add your name to my name somehow, some way when we do have kiddos, assuming we do have kiddos, because I'd like to be part of the team, but I think changing my last name is an insane concept and I could not imagine doing it. Although remember when we walked down the hill? <laughs> at our wedding after right after the ceremony someone was like congratulations mrs bolty and i was like sure <laughs> i'm not uh, dealing with i was pretty sure we got a good laugh out of yeah that we did so i just get it like i know i haven't actually had anyone say anything to me other than that one time and he didn't mean any malice you know what i mean like there was no i've never gotten any commentary about it because i think everyone knows who i am and that i wouldn't take your last name <laughs> Except for my mom, remember she was like, "Oh, I feel like it's um, it's a little less like taboo than yeah than it like was in the past. Like I think it still happens probably most of the time, but definitely less taboo. Like probably I don't know how many years ago, but like you know, yeah. it'd be like, oh my god, blah, blah, blah. and it's just like now everyone's just like, oh, you're doing that cool, yeah. yeah, that's true. Although, or they just are, are just people are just know that people get offended a lot easier maybe they just like keep it themselves and say shit behind their back no, no. <laughs> i know well that's the thing somebody asked what do you think about other people's take on marriage when it differs from your own and i, I was gonna say like everybody talks smack about their own marriage compared to other people's marriage or marriages or take on marriage like your everyone's philosophy on marriage has every right to be different and like you sure. used to say, you know, we used to be too cool for school when it came to weddings. We'd go to our friends' weddings and be like, oh, my God, are we going to do this someday? This is crazy. I think more so than you, I'm quick to judge, which is not my best quality. But I am quick to comment on and judge other people's choices because it's a natural human thing to compare it to how you would live your life. And you're you're picking up on that difference and you're exploring your own feelings and philosophies when you explore other people's and reflect on them, right? There's a healthy level of that required. You, you just look around the world and you're just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. But then the problem is when you like attack people for it, like you shouldn't do that. Right. And I feel like, I, I just, I feel like generally, at least most of the people we know are in that camp, you know, they're not just like, you shouldn't do that. I've never like heard that once, you know, or if I have, I just ignore, ignored it. But I don't think I literally have like heard that like, 
like you're doing it wrong or you shouldn't do it this way. Oh my God. That's the most male privileged thing you've ever said. Because as a woman, I mean, have you heard a lot of it? I hear a lot of that. Mostly on like, like what? how to be a lady, how to be a wife, how to be a mother someday. Like people are very quick to tell me what you should and shouldn't do. Mm. But I think when we all take a beat, when we all take a breath, we can like hold two things up that are different and be like, I want this in my life. This person wants something different. That's okay. I'm not better than, they're not better than, we're just different and that's fine. I just think it takes uh, some psychological distance to do that because not everybody, you know, you have a gut reaction like, no way, don't do that, do this. I think it's natural. Yeah, fortunately, I don't think most people say it to our face. <laughs> so whoever we're <laughs> pissing off, we're pissing them off and they're talking smack behind their back and that's, that's fine with me. All right, so speaking of judgment, one of the questions that came in was how do we deal with society's timeline? She says like the timelines for relationships, like getting engaged or married or having kids by a certain time. Interesting question. I feel like from the top, we are so stereotypical. Like college degree holding women get married right around when we did. <laughs> it's like weird how basic we are in terms of our timeline. Yeah, I read an article, I don't know, not too long ago that was like, there's kind of two camps of people that people get married kind of like right away. They're like college or high school, early 20s. And then the other correct camp that's like in their like early 30s. I told you that because it was um the feminist H spot. The what is it called? Happiness. The feminist pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And like what I have seen is... I'll mix between the two. Like, yeah. I know people that, like, are just like, man, we met and got married right away. Cool. But I'd actually say the majority of people that, I've, that I know, like, were together for, like, years. And I'm talking, like, many yeah. years. And I'm talking across, like, religion, too. Like, I have a lot of friends of the Christian faith who were, like, together and living together for, like, seven to nine right. years before they got married. So I don't know. I think that that whole timeline thing, I don't know, maybe it's just less of an economical thing or socioeconomical thing. Yeah, I think it's about degree holding people. College grads get married around when we got married, which makes us very mm -hmm. much in line with society's yeah. expectations. And a lot of other folks get married earlier, but there's a ton of people so we thought we were we thought we were bucking the system and we're just like we're just like right online with what we're yeah, supposed we're to do. Yeah, we're not bucking anything. And I feel almost cliche in that because there's a lot of people who are still not married who are our age and that's fine. They're not late. I would rather mm -hmm. see my friends not marry the wrong person <laughs> than get married cuz you're like, "Oh shit, it's time to get married." Mm -hmm. But the biological yeah. clock is is real. It's ticking. Like it's happening. Fertility is no joke. Yeah, that is a real thing. Yeah. So like if your intention is to have kids and that is, it doesn't even have to be tied to marriage, right. but you do have to have a really good bond with someone. Right. Um, in my opinion, to go down that route. Yeah. So the clock is ticking. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm glad that we started talking about it early because 
the last thing I want to do is ever feel. And everyone seems to think that this is how this works. But the last thing I would ever want to do is be a woman who wants a kid, marry a guy who's like, not sure that he wants a kid or not, because he can't imagine himself giving up his bachelor lifestyle and then persuade him to become a father because I want a baby. Everyone assumes that when we're talking about kids, they like elbow you and they're like, whoa, she's going to want a kid now because one of our friends had a kid and you clearly must not possibly want a kid, which I find all of that joking to be so rooted in like basic sexism. And that's not true for us at all. Right. So I I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's no good answer on this other than talk to your partner. Yeah. Don't marry someone who doesn't want kids. Aside from kids, you're talking about like time, timeline for whatever it is you're doing. Get married or do this or that. Everyone's timeline can be like different, but you know, just talking to your partner about it is definitely the right start. Yeah, I feel like this has come up on the last podcast you were on, or sometime I had you on here. We talked about how I initially brought up kids way before I wanted kids just to screen you. <laughs> And now I was like, sure. what's your thought? And you were like, whoa, why are we talking about this? And that was mm-hmm. the baseline expectation for how this relationship was going to work. I'm going to bring things up mm-hmm. that I need to know about you way early, including like preempting all of potential fights, <laughs> apparently, which I never thought about until you mentioned that. Because you got to you got to be on the same page. You got to talk it out. Like, how else do people do this? I don't even know. Yeah, but there's an art form to it also. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the tactic of, like, going on, like, a first day with someone and be like, so, do you want to have yeah, kids? You know? that's fair. It's an evolution of conversations. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And timeline matters. That's why I think our penchant for planning is so handy. Is that I were actually, you know what? I remember what it felt like in, where were we? Santa Cruz? When I was happily rounding out the end of my book tour, and I don't know if you're comfortable with me bringing this up, but you were like, so what's the timeline on our baby plans since we've already established we have baby plans? And I I almost spit out my Pisco Sour. (laughs) Yeah, I think you had a couple of those uh, sitting on the beach and it's like, uh... Well, I love that you, for the first time possibly, were the one to bring up a big, intense subject preemptively, and I didn't have to preempt it, and you brought it up, and I was unprepared. Well, we just had we had talked about it, and I just kind of wanted to know where the you know we stood in the timeline, and it was not like, hey, uh, you know, you ready for this? <laughs> you know, you ready? <laughs> Let's make a baby. <laughs> no, but. I think that was like a major point in our relationship's history because I used to be the one to like push the, you know, the conversation. And I I do, I can now relate more so to how it must've felt in the past for you when I would be like raising these big topics unexpectedly because I was so delighted that you brought it up. But I also have had like a freak out ever since because, you know, getting real on your biological clock is scary. That comes back to not knowing what the person asking the questions intentions are, yeah. right? Like someone goes on a, you go on a first date or even like when you ask that question after we've only been like 
seen each other for like a short amount of time, automatically it's like, wait, you like looking to have a kid like in like a year or right. something like that? You know what yeah. I mean? And that that's you just like, oh my God. So like me just asking that question, thinking about it, it like triggered yeah. you into like this mode. I'm just like, no, that's not what I'm asking. I'm just wondering where you're at. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you did ask it though, because now we're planning more long term and our financial plans build into that. And it's just like our career plans, I think like how we flex for each other is going to change, you know, and like how we're planning for the arrival of a kid. We'll talk more about that when that's a thing, but just the fact that we're talking about it and that you brought it up and that we're near, we're like talking about timelines is part of why I'm glad we got married because there's nothing wrong with having a child out of wedlock so to speak, or out of a marriage institution. That's fine. Do your thing. But I used to like literally make fun of women who would say this and judge the hell out of them because marriage is not a guarantee of any kind. And yet I still feel more confident in our relationship because of that stupid little piece of paper. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the paper, right? right? It was like, It was everything to do with like deciding that it was going to be like full, like long term. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of the paper, I have one last question for you, which I love. I love this question. Someone asked us if you could have done it all over again, would you have spent the money on a wedding? And then she DM'd me to elaborate and said, I know you talked a lot about how you cash flowed your wedding etc. Because I did a link to the post about how we budgeted for the wedding and what we spent on our wedding. She goes, I'm just wondering if you'd have done the same thing in hindsight, my partner and I will likely choose marriage, even though we both weren't sold on it from the beginning. And part of my thought process was inspired by your talks of this on Sminty stuff mom never told you, and bossed up the podcast. So thank you for the insight. So thank you for this question. Would you have done it all over again? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I think I was the one who convinced you because you were all kind of anti-wedding for a while. I really was. Which, which when I look back, it makes no sense because you love to throw a party, <laughs> right? And this is exactly what a wedding That's is. True. And like, you get the one chance to throw this party where like everybody's got to show up and they will fly across the country. They'll rent cars, rent hotels. Like you throw parties any other time and people are like, eh, maybe I'll go. Yeah. No, I got something on. Like a wedding, it's just like everybody's coming and it's awesome and everyone's there. You know, it's obviously some people can't make it, but right. you get the one chance to get and, and also like get people together that would are never also gonna be together again. So you know, it's like across everyone. You know, how cool is it when you even not at a wedding, when you have friends from like college versus yeah. friends from like work or some of that and everyone gets together and you're like well this is so weird like friends from across my lifetime getting together is a weird thing and the wedding is like the ultimate version of that that is such a good point and it's such a privilege but i should also point out is that we did the wedding on my parents farm and they contributed and on top of the venue and worth it and they contributed a healthy chunk of money toward friends in the tent so 
It's more a question yeah. uh, for my mom who's listening, so she'll probably call me after this comes out. I was wondering if you were going to say that, because if not, I was rehearsing how to introduce that. You know, I mean, I got to be honest here, because we talked very explicitly about how we had a wedding on a budget, and we did. We still had a wedding that was just about $10,000, which is super cheap. However, beyond that is the fact that Brad's parents hosted us and charged us nothing to host us. But beyond that, they contributed a large chunk of change to covering those costs. And my parents picked up the bar tab. You know what I mean? Like they went to Costco and bought all the wine. I feel like people came out of the woodwork to chip in in ways that we didn't even anticipate happening to make the cost for us, while not negligent, they were not as significant even as a $10,000 budget. So if we had to float 10K of our own, we might just have had a different party. We might have had a different, cheaper party. I think the act of creating that magical collective experience that is a wedding is what's important, not how much you spent on flowers or photos or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think we have the wedding industrial complex has gotten out of control. I'm glad we didn't go crazy with our expenditures. And I'm also very grateful for the generosity of your parents and for folks who chipped in. And then wedding gifts like helped us wipe out the rest of our debt. So it was almost like a cash neutral endeavor for us at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, But no, we're not going to do it. So this is a weird question though, because it's like, Never doing that again, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's you can't put myself, like, like we're definitely not doing that again. Yeah, but in retrospect. But, uh, I would have, I'm definitely happy yeah, we did exactly, it. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and for us, it's especially easy to say, I'm glad we did it, because we didn't have to come out of pocket for everything. So, it's, yeah, it's a sure. privileged position. We were not aware of what my parents were going to contribute. We thought it was just going to be the um, the venue, and then they surprised us. So we were going into it thinking we'd come out with like $10,000. Right. And we, and we like accepted that that was going to, like that's what we're going to do. And then there's no anticipating how much money folks give you for your wedding as gifts. Like some people were extremely generous. So it's a total crapshoot. You don't really know. You've got to be as, I think any money you can save on your wedding is a good choice. My wedding dress, for example, I bought for 500 and $50, which was ungodly cheap. And you think that was so expensive still to this day. <laughs> but like, that's crazy cheap for a wedding dress. So I feel like it doesn't matter how much you spend on your wedding. I'm glad we did it in retrospect as opposed to eloping, which was my original plan. Because you know what? It doesn't matter how cute it is on the internet. We had one hell of a party. We had all of our most beloved people there. And we didn't spend that much on photography because our dear friend Emma took photos for free. And like, I don't care that it doesn't translate perfectly well on social media. You know what I mean? We could make up for that in other ways. And we did. Like, I wanted more intimate photos of us and we just took them for our anniversary. So yeah, do the wedding, do the thing. It's a special once in a lifetime day and you should enjoy it. And it has nothing to do with how much you spend on it. So don't go into debt for it. That's my take. Yeah. Just don't go to a venue that costs $50,000. I know. Isn't that crazy <laughs> that people do that? I mean, if you can. Or do it. I don't know. If you got yeah, the money, you got the money it, go but... for it. Just like know your budget. It is 
an interesting take. Lots of people have lots of different thoughts, but yeah. Well, I'm glad we got married. Me too. Now it gives us another holiday to celebrate every year, our anniversary. Yeah. What else? I think that's it. I mean, you all had such great questions. It's an hour already of us talking about ourselves, so we should cut it here. But I want to thank you, Brad, for uh, sharing your perspective with the ladies of Bossed Up once again. No problem. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen who might be listening to this, I want to hear from you. What is your take on the institution of marriage? Are you pro? Are you con? Are you ambivalent like Brad and I have been for most of our lives? Are you doing the damn thing anyway like we did? And how do you feel about it? I would love to hear from you. So check out today's show notes and weigh in on the blog at bossedup.org slash episode 154. Or as always, hit me up on Instagram at Emily Aries or at bossedup.org. And otherwise, I will see you on the internet. And thank you for listening to whatever philosophy, whatever armchair philosophy we had to share about weddings and marriage. Tonight. Yeah, they're like one year. What do they know? Yeah, we'll listen to this <laughs> in 10 years and we'll just laugh at ourselves, I feel like. Yeah, a bunch of pups. <laughs> All right, bosses. Until next time, keep bossing. Okay, bye. Actually, before I sign off too, we got to check out this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. This is Rachel calling from St. Paul, Minnesota, calling in with a boss move moment of the week. There's an organization in my state that I've been angling to join as an employee in the next two to four years, and I heard through my network that they were going through some restructuring changes. So I took a chance, and I decided to email the president of the organization just to let him know that I was interested and to see if he thought if my skills and experience would be a good fit. And I don't know if anything's going to happen, but just sending out a cold email like that feels like a pretty ballsy move. And I'm really excited about it. Thanks and have a great night. Rachel, I am cheering you on. Congratulations, boss. I totally agree. Reaching out and making a cold email happen, especially when it's to the president of an organization you admire is a total boss move. And just the nerves uh, can keep so many of us from taking action on that goal when it totally serves our long-term goals and ambitions. So congratulations on doing the damn thing and feeling the fear and doing it anyway, because it sounds like it's already paying off. Congrats on being such a boss this week. And thank you for being a long-term listener of the Bossed Up podcast, a Bossed Up Bootcamp alum, and an overall just badass member of this community. It's been an absolute pleasure keeping up with you over the years. And I'm so glad to feature you this week. All right, bosses, that's all I have for you this week. Please let me know what you think of this conversation tonight. Tell me what you disagree with. Let's debate. Let's have a conversation. We don't all need to agree on everything. So if you heard something that Brad or I said tonight and you want to call us out or call us in, please feel free to do so on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you can find me at Bossed Up Org or Emily Aries. And you can always weigh in in the comment section at today's corresponding blog post at bossedup.org slash episode 154. In the meantime, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose. And together, I know we will lift as we climb. <laughs>